Welcome to The Reload. I'm your host, Keon Ward. And today we're talking about everything that's TV and film. That's right. And that's including even Black Hollywood, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so today I have this dope, dope brother with me today. He is not only the CEO of Sunwise Media, but he's also the founder of the Handy Foundation. So I want us to give it up for Mr. Ricardo Handy. Welcome, hey. welcome. <laughs> How are you? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I love your energy. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm, I'm pulling off of that because, you know, it was definitely uh, a, a, a rough week to say, you know, we started the year off with here. So. Oh my God. I mean, oh my Lord. Excuse my language. Some white people riding and I, I, I don't know what's going on in the world right, right now. <laughs> but I yeah. thank you for um, being here uh, with me today as well as um, just being able to, you know, have this discussion, which I think is very important, right? Um, so before we get into our conversation, typically I always ask the people that I interview, what are you rooting for for 2021? I wanna know what's your visions, what's your expectation, whether that's for yourself or for the world. I wanna know, tell us about that. I mean, for 2021, I am, definitely um concerned and excited at the same time and and basically just rooting for all the underserved people black and brown and women um and people that just haven't really had um you know their full shot you know to get their full shot you know people that haven't had opportunities to get opportunities um i'm rooting for you know, everyone that has dreams um, that, that that have been deferred for those dreams to be cashed in, you know? Um, and so I think I think that for me, and you know, specifically why we started Handy Foundation um, is is to really give people those those kinds of opportunities, you know what I mean? The kind of, the kind of, when you get those emails that you shout, you know, get those phone calls when you hang up, you'd be like, yes, I did it. You know, it happened. You know, those are the kind of moments that I want to see happen more for people um, um, and, and for people that it hasn't been happening for in the past. Oh, man, that's that's dope. And and you're right. I think we need more, not only like what you're rooting for. I think that is so important, but it's also important to have more people like you in position um as we're talking about tv and and film and in and, and that industry um I, I want the people to know us also um ricarlo like who you are because you have a long resume right <laughs> you started you came into this in the entertainment industry as a pa i think you worked for was it bounce tv you worked for mtv um, you worked for, I mean, of course, your own companies, but you also was a director for No Limits um, Film. So tell us a little bit about the history and what brought you into um, this entertain entertainment um, space. Yeah, no problem. I, I, I like to say I, I've had um, multiple careers. And then I started to say more like I've just been a part of the entertainment business my whole life right so since i'm 14 and um 
And I think that, you know, without going through like first this happened and then that happened and then that happened, I think that the general story is I, I took advantage of every opportunity I got from day one. So when I was in high school and my peers were trying to hang out and, you know, do whatever you do in high school, right? All the things you can get into. I was I was uh, taking the opportunity to work on student films and I started working on music videos and, you know, all of this stuff. And then later in life, I had other opportunities come my way, but I wasn't just looking for, oppor I didn't, wasn't just taking opportunities as they came. I was also looking for opportunities. And that led me to, um, you know, every time I was looking for an opportunity, I didn't really pigeonhole myself to where that came from, right? Mm -hmm. I said I wanted to, um, you know, uh, produce television. And even though I've been working in television uh, for networks, uh, like, you know, ABC, NBC, or Fox mainly um, at the time, um, you know, when BET Opportunity Producing Jobs came along, I took those. I didn't, you know, look down my nose at, you know, the level of an opportunity. It was an opportunity, so I jumped on it. And then same thing when I went to Bounce TV, you know, I wanted to be in a position to green light shows and create shows. And I'm, you know, Bounce TV didn't have any original programming. I did their first original program and I said, hey, we can keep going with this. Um, and they had a plan and it matched, it aligned with my plan. And so, you know, I partnered up over there and and, and it went on to run original programming for, for five years and uh, nearly five years. And, um, and, you know, we created shows like Saints and Sinners and we did several sitcoms with uh with roger bob and, and and mainly with bentley evans who still does sitcoms there um you know brought the trumpet awards over there and, and and now that's really thriving um so so i think i've just always been someone that saw myself as a part of the business and i i just always would try to add value and my main value came from editing at first because i was an editor for a long time and then i've also uh i brought value through directing and then later I brought value through producing and, and kind of creating developing projects. So, um, so yeah, and that's, I think that's my biggest advice to anyone that wants to be in this business is to decide what it is you want to do, like create a target mm -hmm. and then do whatever you can to hit that target, like go beast after that target. Um, and don't look down at any opportunity, every opportunity that gets you a little bit closer to that target mm -hmm. is a good opportunity. Um, until it proves otherwise right right and it seems like you were almost like a triple threat whatever like you, like you said you've been doing you were like you were an editor you you do production programming i mean just have all kind of um skill sets so do you think people anybody that enter into the space of like um film and television that's something that they need to adjust themselves to doing and not just being like a type A where they're only focused on acting, where they're only focusing on being a director or a producer for that matter? Well, I would say this. I would say that um, there, are, there are two two types of skill sets uh, in the industry, right? You know, the above the line skill sets, creative space, you know, whether you're director, producer, writer, I, I typically think the people that do best in those positions have some kind of below the line skill set as well. Mm -hmm. And that for me, my below the line skill set was editorial. Like I start, I learned how to edit, uh, like I said, when I was 14, you know, at school. And so when I was in ninth grade, I did my uh, video yearbook for our ninth grade class, right? 
when I, I did uh, I did all these kind of things on my own to kind of build a foundational understanding of, of how work. And for, for me, editing was perfect for that because um, it actually allowed me to work on the finishing of a product and learn all the problems that we had to address in finishing it. And that allowed me to kind of, you know, have at least some kind of basic knowledge of what everyone else did, right? To get to, to, to get the product done. But but that, that's how I would tell everybody to, if you're gonna be in this business, if you wanna be a filmmaker of any kind, whether you're an actor, actress, comedian, you know, um, you know, in front of the camera, you should also at least have one kind of below the line skill uh, that you're developing as well. Um, and for if no other reason um, than to have that balance because the creative, the above the line jobs, the acting jobs, the in front of the camera jobs, those are harder and fewer, and they're harder to come by and fewer in between, you know? I, I'm fortunate to have had kind of a lot of success doing both, but typically, you know, you might see someone work for a long time in one, a long time to break through in that other area. And the, and and so for example, if you take a movie set, there's only one director, but you know, if it's a big budget movie, there's probably 300 other jobs on that same movie, right? For the below the line people. But if you only, cause I used to only focus on wanting to be a director when I first came in the game and it was hard. I was only, I was doing one music video every couple of months. You know what I mean? When I was like the 18, 19, 20. Um, but then when I started editing for, for television, I, I, I literally couldn't, couldn't uh, do all the work that I was getting. Right, 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 man. And 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 I want to speak about that, like not having those opportunities available, and what you're doing with um, Sunwise, and as well as with the Handy Foundation. Um, I know with the Handy Foundation, you know, your focus is creating um, pathways for diversity and inclusion for um, people of color and just people. Period overall but definitely just making sure people of color um have those opportunities and are aware of those opportunities so i read on the site that you guys have something called the list what is what exactly is the list and i want to know more about what you're doing in terms of like the mentorship the programming and the advocacy that you guys are mm -hmm. part of yeah so you know basically what happened the whole list started because I put out a post looking for black editors in June last year, and that post went super viral um, with a lot of ne negative feedback from white editors saying, um, <laughs> you know, what if we put out posts looking out for black editors? And it was, you know, retweeted over 100,000 times and um, they got screenshotted and all the companies they worked for. So it, it became a big kind of news story in the cycle uh, in June. And, and because of all that activity, I ended up having this list and it was not just my list it was a compilation of people that had reached out to me um you know uh, a couple of other lists that that kind of people had sent to me um and and what i ended up doing was um you know when when i put out the dead i did a deadline op-ed um about you know kind of the state of the industry and my experience as a black editor and, you know, kind of what I thought the industry could do to diversify. And so the, the initial list that we put out was just a list of black editors. Um, it was probably, um, you know, nearly three, 300 plus black editors that, you know, that have professional experience, professional credits. Um, and for, for everyone that had been looking, um, 
And so that's what we, that's, that's one of the primary reasons people start to reach out. But during that process, you know, I realized, you know, there's, there's over 1700 original programs being done, you know, all these various platforms in the course of a year. Um, And so there's not even enough black editors with professional credits that I found to put one on each show, which is why you typically will see, you know, one black person or zero black people behind the scenes, even on a show like Blackish, who they are now, they are now doing more work. And a lot of shows are doing more, but they've been doing a lot of work. They have a a, a platform called uh, Black in Post um, that they, that they put together, which put by the Ish family. Uh, the Black-ish family and other, those other shows. So different shows are noticing it and doing it. But what I what I realized is like, even just finding the people with experience and giving them jobs that they already been getting themselves just on a white show instead of a Black show is not enough, right? Like, so what, our, what the Handy Foundation really uh, is focused on is giving people their first opportunities. Because what I realized is with the, with the, you know, the state of where we are today, it takes some years to really give people the amount of experience they need to, to operate at a high level in these other spaces that they haven't been playing in. And so we we partnered with the Urban League to do a training program. Um, and we're actually just completing our first cohort now. And we've been placing our trainees and getting them that experience, getting building them their community, building them a network um, so that when they go out and our partners that will, um, you know, come to our website, and, and now instead of getting the list, they'll actually press that get the list button and, and they can request, uh, put a job request in. We'll spit out qualified editors for that position. Um, and we, we hope to expand to, to other positions as well in the near future. But right now we've been heavily focused on post-production. Right, right, right. Now, um, you, also, you guys are also, um, in terms of like the training, what does that training look like? Is it is it just for the post-production or is it also a collective of different areas? I think you help with the union and the non-union um, type of- A hundred percent. Well, at, on the union side, we're more of advocacy. We're more in partnership with Urban League to advocate for below the line workers. Okay. Because you know, what, what, that, what happens on the union side of things is we, uh, we, 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 like, we talked to Local 700, about what um, what we can do, what programs we can send people through. Um, and then we work with the studio to actually activate those people as apprentices. So we've already, we working with, we're working with Urban League and um, 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 Urban League and Lionsgate on, on, on some of that stuff now. Um, we're working with other studios as well, but ultimately what it all looks like is we help, we are the training partner um, that helps people get prepared for that first opportunity. Um, and in addition to that, um, the Urban League has a backstage program where they're taking people, you know, kind of fresh, you know, out of, out of high school or, or, or college mm-hmm. or, you know, just individuals that are looking for opportunities and they're training them on kind of a general knowledge of working behind the scenes. Um, and then we take the people that are specifically interested in editorial and we continue that education. And, and there's also people that are outside the Urban League that can apply as well. But that's a partnership with the Urban League that we have. And really the end goal is to get people jobs, you know, to get their careers going. You know what I mean? And so that's that's what we're up to. Well, let me ask you this. Um, in terms of, you know, helping people get on set or at least learn some type of craft or skill set that uh, help them um, enter into the field. 
do are do you have any shows right now that you know that you admire or you like how they do their production work or you know you just like the show period and it puts you in the mind of where we need to be or, or where we where we should be heading uh there's so many here's what i was saying that you know i don't know the makeup of every single crew right so i definitely be it'd be very hard for me to say this person did everything right right um i think that i think that in general though i've seen some examples and i'll just start with me first because that's what i know the most intimately and this is what i would say everyone should be doing so we just did the, the commercial, my company, Sunwise Media, did the commercial for uh, Greenwood Bank. And so um, that's with Killer Mike. And we did the commercial with Jesse Williams. And it's a Black-owned bank. Um, and the whole mission of the bank is about, um, you know, keeping the Black dollar circulating, right, in our own communities. And the spirit of Greenwood, uh, District of Tulsa, Tulsa, Oklahoma, more popularly known as Black Wall Street, that a hundred years ago was destroyed, right? And so, you know, we didn't just blindly go and say, well, we're ideating, we need a writer, let's just get the writer that did the Pepsi commercial. You know, we we sought out a Black-owned creative, a Black-owned creative firm uh, to be the, you know, to help with the creative direction on the project, um, you know, work with Jade, at work with Jade, right? He, um, this woman, Elosi, and we, we had her help write it. And then we got... Uh, DP, um, uh, Tommy Maddox, uh, who's a Black DP, um, who actually lives in the community of Inglewood where we shot the commercial. Uh, we got a Black director, right? Black producer named uh, uh, Kim Ogletree. Um, and so on and on and on. And you can look at my IG, at Ricarlo, um, R-I-K-A-L-A-R-L-O. Um, you can see everyone that's 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 on there, and we we did we went a step further. We encouraged everyone else to hire these people too. I think that it's all about in t- your intentions. So, like, if you're doing a show about black folks, about uh, or doing a show about women, or doing a show about LGBTQ communities, like, wh- wh- if you're doing something to serve a group of people, you should include those people in the process. Right. You know, I, and I think too often Hollywood has done stuff to serve a group of people and then don't even ask them what they need, what they want and don't include them in making it. And then, and then they wonder why it missed the mark. Mm. You know, don't make a commercial for black folks to reach black folks and don't have no black folks in the room. Don't make a show, right? Yeah, yeah. About women and don't have no women in the room. Like that's just, it's just basic, simple stuff. So I know show, like I know um, for instance, like, um, um, I know Love Cab Country, some of the folks that worked on that. I know Snowfall, some of the folks that worked on that show. And, and they seem to have a very diverse crew from what the, from the little I know. Now, I wasn't there. I, I don't know every person on the show, but, but I've heard good things. And so I think, that, I think that if I had to pick out some shows, I would pick out those because that's what I recently heard about. But at the end of the day, um, yeah, if you come in the right intention, uh, you're going to win. Um, and I know that you guys are like a full production studio company. I'm sure it took a while for you to get to where you are uh, with that. Company. Well, there's a lot of companies that are black owned. They just not may not be to the scale, right? Okay. Of something like Tyler Perry Studios. 
because he he actually owns now a studio like the studio he owns is very different than a production company right right Right. and and what i have is i have a production company and we have um post-production facilities and so we have about you know um you know 14 plus edit bays and and you know um a space in Culver City that people can rock their offices out of, but we don't have like a big lot, like, you know, okay, like Tyler Perry and not, and not very many, yeah, not very many people are, <laughs> have that level and, 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 and that comes with ownership, right? He has, mm-hmm. he has a lot of content that he owns, uh, that, and a lot of, uh, history of selling that content and that, you know, brings capital that allows you to make right. those kind of investments. Um, and, and a lot of that studio space, he's not using only for his productions. He's renting that studio space to other companies. So the studio space itself is a business by itself, you know, kind of separately from, you know, the productions and stuff that he does, that he does on his own. And so, and so there are tons of black owned companies. That's how I got in the game. I worked for this company called DeBose Entertainment, where we did the Keisha Cole show and Monica's and all of that. And again, it was an office, you know, production companies are offices, people in them, right? Um, and are, are working from home nowadays, actually. Um, and studios are spaces you rent to, to shoot in. So, so to being like a studio like Warner Brothers or Disney is a studio, right? And they own their content. And a lot of us don't own our content. A lot of us are um, producing things as a service. So a production company provides a service. The studio generally has some kind of ownership, whether it's globally or they may just have the foreign rights to that content. So that's the difference. And so my company, we do own some of our content, which makes us our own studio, but we also do production uh, work as a service too. Right, right. I'm glad you brought up owning your own content. Um, and, and and I'm curious to know with the Handy Foundation, are you guys also educating and creating seminars to educate business law or how to properly read a contract or negotiations? Because I feel like that gets missed a lot in terms of entertainment. So are you guys doing anything like that? Or are you thinking about adding that? Um, to what your foundation offer already? You know, we don't focus on like kind of IP or legal education because we are, here's what I think. I think that a lot of people in our industry, they see someone doing something and they immediately want to start off as the boss, right? They're like, I want to be my own boss. Mm -hmm. I want to own everything. There's a lot to learn and there's a lot to know. And I think that a lot of people skip the learning and knowing and the, the, the value of experience. And they immediately just want to day one, create their content, own their content and monetize their content. There's a lot of people that own a lot of content out there that like us, you know, but that doesn't mean they're monetizing it. That doesn't mean they're making money right. from it. And you, so there's steps, there's levels and there's steps to it. So what I would say is, you know, um, Yes, I think we will do some education around that um, at some point. And actually, that's initially why I started the foundation before we got kind of focused on this skill set. But I realized the need is actually not people learning about ownership. If you if you know about ownership, that's great. And I think it's a super important thing. But you got to that's completely separate from you wanting to enter the business and learn the business for the first time. 
I don't know that that's the first thing I would teach someone, right? I want them to be good at their craft first and then learn how to monetize that craft and then take that learning and create a business from it. And if you own the business, then the business can own the content, but you got to have a business that's generating um, some kind of monetization first. And that's what goes back to the, the, this industry. Most of the people in this industry are working on, on production as a service, right? right? And then you can, and then if you have capital, if you have capital and you're creating something original um, or you have investors, you're creating something original, or you're doing it on your own. And there's a way to monetize that. And that's a separate conversation. That's a distribution conversation and an IP ownership conversation. Mm-hmm. And obviously in music, there's, there's publishing and a lot of other things that go along with that. But in our business of television and film, um, it's really two separate things. And so it's two groups of people that we're talking to. And, and that's a, that, that group of people will definitely serve as well. And I and I want to know this. Um, and why is it so hard um, for those in entertainment? I'm not saying this is for every company. They don't see the talent in other states that don't, you know, that they don't get that shine or support. For instance, I'm from originally. I'm from Mississippi. I don't know if you can hear the accent in my voice, mm-hmm. but. Um, it's so much talent in Mississippi and there are so many people who do live in in small states or small towns and it's like you have to travel and and move out of that state in order to um, get opportunities where you can you know go audition for a, a tv show or for a movie will we see more um companies or movies going into those more isolated states where there there's a lot of talent yeah i mean so the good this year's been weird i mean the the last you know 12 months so there's a lot less i think concern about where people live this particular year but what you're talking about has been traditionally an an issue because you have to travel to la be able to afford to live in la and then, and then hopefully get a job while there. And it's, it's not, it's an expensive place to live. I, I live in LA myself. I know. I mean, when I first came here, I, I couldn't afford it. I had to go back home, but I was living in, uh, I went to go to the, I'm from Oakland. So I was in California. So it was just a, a six hour drive for me. Um, and that's been one of the systemic issues, right? Because you know, folks come out of HBCUs or different different um, places, different states, and they want to try to go make it in this industry, and it's going to cost them, you know, twenty five grand to just live in LA and and eat bologna sandwiches for a year, right? And so while they while they try to get their first opportunity, um, and so that's really why we're focused on that first opportunity for the Handy Foundation is to help bridge that gap and and have people have an access point. Um, I don't think there's a, an, an implicit bias geographically. I, I think that there's an implicit bias socially, right? Because what happens is, you know, when, when like I've done it a million times myself. So I know how, you know, your average producer thinks. If I'm going to be looking for someone uh, to hire for any reason, the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to pick up my phone and I'm going to call the people I know. Right. Right. And if you if you're not in my phone and not connected to anyone in my phone, I'm not you're never going to get that call. 
70 plus percent of jobs in Hollywood are never even posted online. They're not, they're, it's not that kind of business where, where it's like, I can't, I can't find anybody that might want to work on this movie. And so the question really is, how do you get, how, how do you from Mississippi or from Iowa or from wherever you are in the world, get access to get that, that phone call? The most important part about the entertainment business and there's a lot of businesses that operate this way that aren't your traditional um, collegiate kind of jobs that you would get as career jobs because there are pathways created in those jobs already. You know, um, you know, there, there's not that in there. So networking is super important and being a good networker, learning the skill of networking, growing that network as if it was your job. And I think I, I often tell people, grow your network before you start, you know, moving to LA or moving to this place or that place, or, you know, you, you, you know, you, you, you need to have a place or a place to start from. And I think that's where you have to start from. There's no easy answer to like how you get a Hollywood gig in a state like uh, Alabama or Mississippi. I will say this though, there are production hubs that are close to those places that are driving distance, right? right. So if you're in Mississippi, how far are you from Atlanta, Georgia? How far are you from Knox Nashville, Tennessee? How far are you from Miami, right? Those are places that you can go and there are production, productions happening in those cities every day, maybe not to the level of LA, you know, but, but the industry is vast. You wanna be the biggest rap artist in your town, then maybe the biggest rap artist in your county and, and so on and so forth before the whole world of the nation know you. And so I think that, you kind of have to think about it that way, you know? Right, right, right. We're about to wrap this up in a minute. Do you have like any projects that you're working on or that you're looking forward um, that will be coming out this year or next year, as well as any tips, your two top three or five tips that you can give anyone that's looking to, you know, enter into the entertainment industry within TV, within film? Yeah. So, I mean, I think, again, the most thing that I'm excited about this year is just the opportunities that we're going to be able to give people. Um, we'll have some announcements coming up around the Handy Foundation. So I would just encourage everyone to follow me at Ricarlo, follow at Handy Foundation. Um, yeah. And, and, and follow and, and just kind of stay tapped in to what we're doing. You know, Sunwise Media, uh, our company, uh, we have several uh, kind of podcasts. Um, projects that we're doing that I'm excited about. We have uh, a lot of things that we're pitching and partnering on. Nothing that I can really share about today, but we're, you know, yeah. we're working and that's been very fun. Um, I'm excited about everything we're doing with Greenwood. We're going to do some more stuff with them. Uh, so Jeff, definitely just stay tapped in with Bank Greenwood at Bank Greenwood. And, and then finally, I would say, you know, if you are someone who is on your journey to uh, get into the film and television business, whether you are just starting out or you've been doing it for some years and you just feel stuck and you don't know where to go next, I would definitely double check your network, right? And, and, and you should have at least 10 people that you can tap in on a biweekly basis, if not more, that can potentially hire you. If you don't know anyone that could potentially hire you, then that would be the first thing that I would say. Because if you want to be an actor, that means you need to know casting directors and directors, right, that can hire you. If you want to be an editor or, or, or a cameraman, 
you need to know line producers and production companies that are doing work that can hire you. And if you don't have those relationships, then you need to build those relationships and all the relation, all the best relationships I've had um, in this business started off two ways, neither me giving them value, right? By saying, Hey, how can I help you? Like, what are you up to? What can I do for you? Right? Well, how can I bring you some assistance? Or, or it came through a recommendation from a friend, right? Is somebody connected me, right? And so I, I think that, I think that um, those are the two ways I would be going at it. Make that my job. I mean, if you, if you, if you have a nine to five right now and you don't have to, you think you don't have time, right? This hour of your day needs to be making those emails, making those phone calls, making those text messages. You know what I mean? And, and I would, I would have my brother who, I, who's an editor now and he's done, done revolt he just did the taraji p show on facebook and you know did jersey shore all this stuff but he came to la straight out to military and was like i want to work in the business but i don't know what to do and i i just gave him homework every day he had a list of people and he would reach out consistently and if not if nothing else is to say hey i just wanted to share what i've been up to hope you're well you know what i mean um that's that's really what i would suggest people do um and and if you're someone that wants to do your own thing independently um just make sure you're doing it good. Like make sure your, your quality is tight and, and always try to improve, get feedback because that's how you can get noticed. A lot of people out here getting money, doing things independently and, and they're just doing it at a high level and a high quality. And that's really ultimately what will get you noticed. Well, um, Ricardo, I thank you, thank you so much um, for being on the reload today. The reload. <laughs> You know, this is just the first to come. This is a new season for us. And uh, we're just ecstatic and happy um, to, you know, help the public, try to teach them as much as we can and share information. So we will be sending people to your website. We will send them to the Handy Foundation. We will send them to Sunwise um, Media to make sure like, hey, if they have an idea of a production or a show that they're trying to do, then these are the type of people you want to work with and hire for that production. Um, so we are signing out from the reload. The reload. <laughs> Stay tuned. Stay tuned for the next episode, and we will see you. Bye-bye. Later. <laughs>